Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories this week is sponsored, brought to you by the folks at PositiveGrid.com and Spark, which I've been referring to as uh, Murdoch's other wife. That's correct, yeah. Uh, Spark, it's the the amp from Positive Grid. It is incredibly affordable, and it is possibly the most amazing thing that's been created since penicillin. I did this weekend. I got to... (laughs) You weren't going to go with the COVID vaccine? You were going to go with penicillin? It's that good? Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, I, this weekend I got to have face to face with a bro and hang out and he picked up the guitar over the pandemic over 2020 and he's got a little Fender Jaguar. He bought off Craigslist for like 140 bucks. It's totally smooth looking. And he came over, we went in the garage and I hooked up the, the spark, the amp and showed him the app. And then I was like, all right, well, you know, just search. And he was like, okay, Kingfish, like the blues guy. Oh, yeah. And he pulls it up and pulls up the guitar tone from, like, him that someone's uploaded what? into the tone cloud. He goes to Spotify, and then he jams along with Kingfish, with the Kingfish tone that someone has created. And then he saves, if it was his his amp and his app, he would save it. And he would it would be something he could do anytime he wanted to. That's just what you can do it's endless there's 10,000 tones in the in the cloud that you can choose from and i get to play a marshall if i want to or i i play through like you know these super like acoustic amps it's fantastic it's positivegrid.com/spark and because you're a listener of rock and roll bedtime stories you get 10 dollars off you got to do it this week. week though yeah it's rrbs3 RRBS3, and that web address again is positivegrid.com slash spark. Tell them the boys at Rock and Roll Bedtime Story sent you. Hey, you awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories exist to lay waste and uh, set on fire the rumors, the innuendo, the things you've heard about your favorite bands and songs, but you're not sure they're true. My name is Brian. And hey, I'm Murdoch. Welcome, everyone. He's feeling peppy. He's double vaxxed and ready to rumble. I'm just going to tell you very soon that I'm going to hug you. It's going to happen. I just want to warn the world because yeah, the smooth embrace, as much as we talk and as close as we are as pals, we have physically not seen each other in 13 months. Unbelievable. That's that's right. That's and two birthdays Friday, for both of us. Two birthdays for both of us. Yeah. Last year, I puked on my birthday. Anyway, on Friday, the the hug bubble was popped by some friends of ours we hadn't seen in maybe two years. And they called. They were just in the neighborhood. And they parked in the driveway. And one of them goes, come on, bring it in. We're doing it now. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Okay, so he's all primed with hugs and uh, uh, robot robotic chips in his arm. Uh, tell me, what, what do you have for us today, Murdoch? The funnest things to talk about with rock and roll is rock and roll excess and ridiculous things. I mean, we've we've sort of hit a lot of those things. We've, done, we've done a few of these. Yeah, Ozzy right. Snorting Ants, that's a good one. Uh, that, that, yeah. Billy Idol in the Thai Hotel Room, that one comes to mind. Yeah. We've spent some time there. And, of the, course, uh, The Who... Uh, trash in the Holiday Inn. We talked about that again last week. That uh, that happened. You know, for some reason, it builds into the fantasy of why we love rock and roll. You know, like we like musicians. You know, it's like they really do live this lifestyle that we don't. So, my first concert was 
friggin' Kenny Rogers with Dottie West opening up at Heck Murphy yeah. Center in Murfreesboro. Heck yeah. And he had he had the glow in the dark frisbees and stuff. Have, have I ever told you it's... about what my mom calls Kenny Rogers? What? This goes back to a story where uh, when my brother was still living at home. So he's six years younger than me. So now f- fully an adult, right? He's in his 30s. But this was, uh, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago. Uh, he was still at home. And uh, I found a Kenny Rogers tape in the kitchen. I was going to put it in the space maker. Do you ever have one of those? The space maker? It was the tape deck yes. that slid under the counter. Yep. Um, I've got friends who moved into a house recently, and there was still a space maker that looked exactly <laughs> like the one from my childhood in it. And I got to say, it. I, every time I go over there, I geek out about it, and they're very unimpressed. They're like, we get it. You like this. But um, so, so my mom... Uh, I, I didn't know she was into Kenny Rogers. And I said, hey, Mom, is, is that a Kenny Rogers tape and uh, that you have here with the space maker? And she says, yes, but I, I don't listen to it in front of your brother because that's married people music. Oh, my God. I'm not, even sure, I'm not even sure what that means other than Kenny Rogers likes yeah. to bang. That's all I, I, that's know, all I get I from that. I know you're weary. I know your plans don't include me. What? So in a pinch, what's your go-to Kenny song? Um, uh, I bet my mom is geeked. I, Did you know that there's a uh, this month there's a new Kenny Rogers record, Songs of Faith? Yeah. I bet she's really, really excited about that, being the former preacher's wife that she is. I got a go-to. I got a go-to. Okay, and what's your I, go-to? I bet it's your, not your mom's go-to. It's uh, daytime friends. Ooh, I don't know. That sounds like married music to me. I mean, daytime friends and nighttime lovers, hoping no one else discovers what they do. <laughs> it's like I got to figure out what that was. Thanks, Kenny. But anyway, so my first rock and roll concert. Thanks. Hold big on, sister. we're not out of the Kenny hole yet. Oh, we're not. I want you to see this for us. It's so important for you to hear the words. He's working late again. Oh man. But she knows too well. He's an instigator. She's been neglected. She has. I mean, can we talk about Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town? Because that's my go-to, and that's yeah. the most depre- one of the most depressing songs of all time. What a depressing! I mean, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's in the book that we've talked about on the show before. Uh, that I want to kill myself, or I, I want to kill myself and want to die, or whatever it's called, uh, about the most depressing songs ever written. Um, I'm sure yeah. it's in there, but man, listen to the lyrics of that one, and uh, it's like yeah. a Larry Brown novel. It's rough. Did you see the Kenny Rogers movie he was in, where he was the like? The you know, race car driver with the kids. No, nope, whatever that, sounds, that movie was called. That sounds great. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, yeah. I, will, I will find out what that is. Anyway, I'm sorry I've distracted us down the Kenny Rogers hole. Let's bring this back to rock and roll. Your big sister introduces you to rock and roll, and where do you go? Yeah. So, so what was my first rock concert? Do can you roll the dice? Do you, do you think you can pick it? Um, was it Aer- was it Aerosmith? I know she was an Aerosmith no. fan. No, um, I did get to see them, but with her, it, it wasn't Crew. Crew was later, right? It was later, but she took me to see them too. So was it ZZ Top? Is ZZ Top? Oh, buddy, are at, we talking about ZZ Top today? At, at the at the Murphy Center in Murfreesboro, also in 1987. So I'm a 13 year old 
uh, young man, uh, and I am freaking out because at some point after the opening act plays, um, I got to see Jimmy Barnes was the opening act, and at another leg of the tour, it was Jeff Beck. Oh my god! How does that even happen? So, but, um, so the lights don't go down, but like parts of the lights do around the arena and born to be wild starts playing really loud. We've never done an episode on vamp music or like the song that plays right before the band comes out. But I feel like that's a whole episode because I have my buddy Judd, especially like it's like an obsession of his. And whenever he sees a band, he will text me. He lives in California and he'll be like, bro, I'm seeing such and such a band. And they just came out to Waylon and it would, you know, it'll be like, uh, it's hilarious. The, 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 but it really does set the scene and set the mood. So they set the mood with Steppenwolf, which is, that's a bold move. You've got a lot to follow up to if you're going to start it with with Step. And so, they had their inflatable beach balls. I've never seen this before. What are all these people doing here? And what is that weird smell? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember my brother-in-law said, oh, you'll know what it is. Some, like he said something like, oh, you'll figure it out. or something. <laughs> um, so the lights go down and there's this big golden pharaoh in the, and like the, that's the back of the stage. Like that's what the backdrop is. This enormous, like, thing from egypt on stage and in front of it i i tried looking this up to con to confirm this was a thing but man i remember it clear as day there was like this big white sheet in front of it and it snorted it up its nose the pyro goes off and they come out on stage and start singing got me on depression and it's like what was the white sheet up the Pharaoh's nose doing? Ah, well, <laughs> you know, I got a little older. I found out what that was. So was this like, the, was this the Afterburner tour? Like, what were they touring on? Afterburner, yeah. Okay. This is Rough Boy and Stages. Yeah. And, yeah, that was that. So what we want to do, since we were talking about rock and roll excess, we, we want to, I want to ask everybody tonight, this is the question. Did ZZ Top really take a real live buffalo out on tour and then lose it? No way. No way. I Okay, so you, you mentioned this, and I think someone has mentioned this to me before about, uh, man, we must have gotten a note or something, or someone had uh, hit up the show and said, do you know anything about ZZ Top and a, and a buffalo on tour? And I just thought that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So you've got that story. Yeah, yeah. And... The, the thing that's crazy is I looked at, like, all kinds of other things that bands have done. And, like, if you remember, like, the P-Funk, like, Mothership, like, that they had that mother... It was that UFO that would come out of the sky. Yeah, and like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I've got a link for the show notes where it comes out of the sky and Dr. Funkenstein comes out of it. That's George <laughs> Clinton. And they, they did that, right? But then... Have you ever seen George Clinton? Remember, Yes, I did. I did once, um, and it was at a festival, and I was walking back after another show, and I just remember being like, "Oh, this is this is where the party is." Like I like I know I've been at other shows all night, but I should have been here. Yeah, yeah, I, it's super fun. So, speaking of super not fun, did you have a lot of experience with the Wall, like the the record, the Pink Floyd record? So. Not a ton. Pink Floyd was one of those bands that I encountered. I mean, because of my age, I didn't encounter it initially, right? But then in college, 
you encounter it. Uh, and I remember in film lecture, we watched the movie, uh, and that was like a whole thing. Um, and then, yeah. you know, I had friends. And my favorite Pink Floyd song, because I don't go very deep in the Pink Floyd catalog, is Wish You Were Here. I think it's a great song. It's a terrific song. Great record. Yeah. Um, Shine On You Crazy Diamond. So I, I listened to that because I had older, some older kids that turned me on to that. And I, you know, it was mysterious and weird and strange. And once I got older and I learned the true meaning of those songs, like you realize it's kind of this work of art, you know. We probably need to do an episode on Sid Barrett at some point because that's a, a, that's a whole character in rock and roll that people don't really understand. They just kind of have heard the name. Yeah, and without him, like that, there's no nucleus of that that group, you know. Right. But like, if you think about it, the wall, like, is a big piece of art. Like, it's it really is. But unfortunately, it's it's the only thing that Roger Waters has hung his hat on for forty years. Is, is well, and thing. he's still touring with some crazy setup, but, right? Where the wall yeah. comes down at the end or something. Right, right. So let's talk about that. Have you ever seen footage of the two? They did it. They did a like thirty dates of. In 1980, have you ever seen the footage? No, that, no. That's what I was going to tell you. So they, they, it, it is, it looks, and they, they did it only in like six cities, but they played 31, 30, they performed the show 31 times. So they just did multiple shows okay. in, in single places. But yeah, so eventually they're standing there and, and these people start bringing out cardboard boxes and they, you know, it, the the idea, their total disregard for the audience is pretty impressive, right? <laughs> and it's like this huge selling record. And then they just had people putting little bricks and stuff in front of them. And then they, you know, projected crap on it so that people didn't get bored. bored and at the end, they knocked down the bricks. Oh. So that's, so Roger Waters takes that thing out. I mean, still. I see how in a boardroom or a boardroom in a back of a bus that sounds somewhat interesting like oh and then we'll kick the wall down but man it is it's like waiting uh, a whole uh movie for the one punchline right you that's yeah. a, that's a lot to ask the audience to invest in yeah and uh like you like see once we get to zz top like i'm telling you all this stuff right here is is his amateur hour. Remember, like U2's Pop Mart tour, they had the 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 lemon at the end. They would try to. I've come got out a whole book. I've got a whole book on the Pop Mart tour in in my rock and roll library. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna ask you if you knew what the name of the tour was and see if you were gonna say it's the Lemon Tour, but no, you even have a book about it, which is awesome. <laughs> of course. So and then there's there's of course hey how am I not going to get us back to that band how am I not going to get us back to Motley Crue it's so easy I mean it's Tommy Lee I don't expect to sit through an episode with you facilitating and not talk about Crue at some point so please yeah. tell me tell me I mean there's the drums which was it you and me no it wasn't me and you it was me and another guy who went to this you know the final final tour though they've done a lot yeah. of those. And uh, it, seriously, my only reason was like, I want to see Tommy Lee on the drum thing. Yeah. And it was worth and, it. And, I, and there was a time where he had a vamp for his drum solo. And I think it was the roller coaster. It might have been what you saw. And it was Carmina Barana. Like, it's it's Ozzy's vamp. It's Ozzy's vamp, too. Um, the, that song. Um, and, and, you know, there's been multiple inflatable penises. Like, did you know that the Stones had a name for theirs? 
I, I did not. What did, did they call it? They, they called it tired grandfather. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then, and okay. And so, and so here's something just for everybody, just for fun that loves music. That's, that's listening. There's an electronic artist named flying Lotus. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, is yeah. Im- it is impossible for me to explain to anyone what his live performance is, but I'll try. He has a giant canvas that's a hypercube, and he's in it. And then there's lasers and lights projected onto the cube and inside the cube and on him. And it's totally weird and totally awesome. Um, just like how like people could take things on tour, but nothing compares to what I'm about to tell you. And I can't believe that in in the annals of rock and roll that this isn't one of the most like heralded stories of the craziest rock and roll excess thing ever. There were 130 different lights, 260 speakers, 160,000 watts of power. There were eight tractor trailers, and they they had a desert scene on them, and they had to go into specific orders because it was this a specific like. A different channel. So, like this is just up. this is just in the transporting, or is this? That's, yeah. So that when people see them on the interstate, they see the whole, the picture in order. That's right. Oh, yes. That's impressive. That's a that's yeah. a level of anal retentiveness that I should yeah. I salute. Yeah, they had this manager named Bill Ham originally, who was, uh, in retrospect, probably was amazing at getting the guys paid and keeping them, you know, making sure they didn't party their faces off, but. So here's what happened. They wanted to have this tour, which is called the Worldwide Texas Tour. That's what we're talking about today in 1976. And they wanted to bring Texas to America everywhere. So let's just pause and state how stereotypical of Texas people thinking the rest of the country needs them to transport a piece of that state through the rest of, you know, anywhere outside of that state. Have you been to Texas? When was the last time you were in Texas? Yep. Um, 2012, maybe. When you were there, did you think, you know what? When I go home, I would love to have more Texas. I would love Texas to be closer to me. You didn't, um, probably didn't think that, did you? No. At, you know, actually, I was there about four years ago. To be, and I was in Austin, which, yeah. right, should be cool. Yeah, and should I stayed be cool. At the, I stayed at the Westin. It was fabulous and I had some great food. I got hammered. I saw a friend of mine. We drank margaritas the whole time. And I went down, unfortunately, to 6th Street, which is where I should not have gone, which was going to, like, Bourbon Street. Um, And I was there at, like, 11 when the horseback showed up, and there was tear gas. Oh, man. You you went on a good night. I was like, this This is a shitty Thursday. Quick aside, I went on a business trip for a venture that I was involved in several years ago, and we were visiting two spots in Texas, one in Austin, one in San Antonio. And we did, we're doing a back-to-back nights. So we're going to drive the distance in between. So the first night we went to um, Austin, and the second night we were in San Antonio. So we were on a budget, and the guy uh, was kind of our de facto money guy who was booking the trip. So he booked us in La, La, La Quinta Inn. La Quinta is great. No, well, I just wanted to say La that. Quinta's great 
Sometimes. La Quinta was great in San Antonio on the second night. But on the first night in Austin, La Quinta was a little scary. And uh, we weren't far from 6th Street, so I did get to make that uh, – I, I got to make that trip down there. But I was thinking that the the room at the end might have been – was seen in one of those uh, documentaries where they take the black light in and they see what's on the bedspread. Oh, yeah. It was – it had that sort of vibe to it. Um, but yeah. the next night in San Antonio was lovely, so shout, shouts to San Antonio. And that La Quinta. That La Quinta was like a high-rise that was beautiful, and it literally, like, I couldn't believe. We walked in that because we were like, what are we going to walk into on the second night in San Antonio if this is what Austin was like? And we walked in laughing, uh, and the guy at the desk asked why we were laughing, and I said, we were at a La Quinta in Austin last night, and it did not look like this. And he said, oh, yeah. It really depends on the independent ownership. <laughs> so keep that in mind, folks. If you're wow. Also, this episode brought to you by La Quinta, San Antonio. La Quinta. La Quinta. La Quinta. And right. Proceed. Spark by Proceed. Grid. So there is uh, this man uh, who, w- at the very end, we're going to hear about his accolades of something he's uh, he something he got one eventually. This man's named Ralph Fisher. And Ralph was a country western like music fan, but he was he was a rodeo bullfighter and a comedian at a rodeo. And before the tour started, someone came to the rodeo and and knocked on the door and said, uh, "Hey, this man who who is the manager for ZZ Top wants to meet you." And he didn't know who that was. So he went to go meet Bill Ham two days later. So this is uh, th- this is so hilarious. And the first thing he asked him, he said, "You know, nice to meet you. I'm Bill Ham. Can you train a buffalo?" And he said, uh, "Yes." And he said, "All right. Well, you're hired." So he wanted a real live. This is this is the tour, everybody. Hold on to your asses. This is a special episode. The manager wanted a real live buffalo on stage and a Texas Longhorn, and this guy grabbed both of them. This is this rodeo guy just got it for him. So <laughs> this is a quote from this is a quote from him, and this is brutal. For months we played loud rock music to them on a timer, so it would come off and and during the night, along with a light show, I popped firecrackers near them, wave flags, anything to simulate what might happen in a concert. I already own several other animals from our rodeo show, including the buzzards. We haven't got to the buzzards yet. So it naturally fell to me to acquire all the animals for the tour. He just took it over, right? So the so we've talked about how crazy this tour sounds. The backdrop... <laughs> that the manager designed was made up made of nine fabric frames, each were twenty feet high and thirty feet long, and it was painted to be the landscape of the Santa Elena Canyon at Big Bend National Park on the Rio Grande. That a real place. Okay, th- this and is this- unbelievable. But I want to. I do want to make an observation that this would be remarkable to do it one time in one location. What I cannot even <laughs> fathom is I how you take this on the road. I I, can, I know. I, I don't I don't even know what to say. I, I've I I don't even know. So so also the stage was Texas shaped. 
Oh my god! And it was at a six degree angle so that people could see it, kind of no matter where they were. And the the opening acts on the the tour, uh, which is great. The first first the initial part of the tour opened up, and it was Skinnerd was wow. the opening act. And then after that, it was Elvin Bishop. Do you know who Elvin Bishop is? So, dude, I know who Elvin Bishop is because he used to play Fayetteville, Arkansas. When I so. I was, when I was in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Play the song. <laughs> his so Elvin Bishop used to be one of these guys who would just play George's Majestic Lounge, and I don't really know why, but George's Majestic Lounge was one of these bars that gets a certain. And we've talked about like Red Dirt Country before, so a lot of the Red Dirt Country folks always played there. But man, I'm telling you, every like three months, Elvin Bishop came through, and he played this song. Opening up for ZZ Top. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> Dude, how the hell did he open up for ZZ Top? <laughs> On a Texas-shaped stage. Because I presume it didn't just turn into the shape of Texas. Like, Hold on, we, we got to hear this. <laughs> I don't know, turn up to 11. I could see this carrying so. A wallop. What 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 kills me? This is I mean these are years apart, but so they took Elvin Bishop on the road, but they had there apparently was one date, not this tour, but ZZ Top had Aerosmith as an opener, and Aerosmith lasted one date, and everybody they hated them. That ZZ Top crowd threw firecrackers and bottles and shit at them, and Aerosmith trashed the. They didn't have their own dressing rooms. They were out like in, you know, vehicles out in the somewhere and they trashed everything. Um, but Elvin Bishop gets a pass. Weird, right? Okay, okay. So back to the story. So there's a props manager and her name's Paulina, Paul, Paula Helena, excuse me. Um, and so this is what she said was that, you know, so the openers would finish. And then, then the Texas-shaped stage comes out with a fiberglass border with cactus plants with cow skulls. And so, every so the opener wasn't playing on Texas? No, they had a different stage. Oh, my Lord. Then, while the stage was in total darkness, she would push this plexiglass pyramid full of rattlesnakes <laughs> down to the bottom <laughs> tip of Texas. <laughs> And you, then you and then, this is her, a quote from her. This is listen, listen. This is a quote from her. And then try to get off that stage without bumping into any of the band as they walked on. So Ralph, the um, the animal wrangler, this is a, a something that he said that right before the band would play, him and another guy would walk this Texas Longhorn and a buffalo up these ramps onto these scissor lift platforms on either side of the stage and raise them 25 fucking feet above Whoa! the band. Okay, that seems like a terrible idea. Like, entertaining to look at, kind of, maybe, but not worth the risk. I Okay, who's been on a scissor lift? Can we talk about this? You and I have done scissor lifts from a event production standpoint, right? Yeah. Sure. Kind of a freaky place to live. Not super well it's, secured. I don't 
know what you put up there to keep the buffalo contained and not freaked out. Now, I understand that they've gone through what sounds like the same things they were doing to Iraqi prisoners uh, at Abu Ghraib in terms of getting them ready for this tour, playing metal in their faces or whatever. But does that prepare you to be on a scissor lift? I, I, it's all of this is unbelievable, and I cannot believe is there this. Is footage of this? Like, Do we have YouTube video of this? Um, no, I've, I've I couldn't find any of it. I found I found them. I found video that I I can share in the show notes that talk where they're talking about the tour, but it's nothing to the level of you seeing really anything. There's a couple of clips where you see some animals in cages, and I was like, I don't know if I want to share that with everybody, but. <laughs> And then at the end, it shows them rehearsing, but the sounds out like so they didn't get they didn't get a they didn't get any permission to use the the sounds. So all the the songs are it's silent, like it's weird. Um, but yeah, I can share that absolutely. It's it's not that exciting. Um, oh so, yeah. So did people so know to, that what they were going to get was this how the, the tour was promoted? Because I'm interested as a as the ticket buyer, right? Like you think you're going to go see. ZZ Top. Do you think it's going to be to this level? Were they known for this sort of thing? Is this what people expected? This wasn't part of their thing before this. So, but it went over incredibly well. People loved this. <laughs> um, so they. So one other piece of the insanity of the animals is they were like, "Wouldn't it be great if we had a wolf that came out on stage <laughs> and would howl?" Like at the beginning. So that, that shit can't really happen in life, right? That's that's not anything. You can't train a wolf Dude, how to go out command. on tour. No. So I'm just picturing so, him like a like in a like in a t shirt with the sleeves off, smoking a cigarette behind the bus, lean back. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I'm the wolf. So so what they did is they got a German shepherd and they trained it to where they they basically would get the the German shepherd to like lean its, its neck all the way back. Like he would like run and sit down and lean its neck back. Did like Ralph it looks do like... this too? Did Ralph train yeah. the German shepherd to do this? Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like, he described how he did it and it wasn't necessarily the most humane way. Like he didn't hurt the dog. And according to <laughs> Billy Gibbons, there were animal rights people everywhere, at every show watching everything that they did. I guess. But, but so, um, so yeah, so they trained a dog, Brian. They trained a dog, and it would run out on straight stage on cue, and it would sit down, and it would it would trot out and throw its head back. But it never learned actually how to howl, so they had it on a tape. So, <laughs> so he was he was lip syncing. <laughs> What a scandal. What a scandal. The lip syncing wolf but, opening for ZZ Top. Yeah. And so then so then the the lights would start to come up and they would rise above that canyon, right? And then and then Billy would play a different note, which would cause one of the the buzzards to hunch up and unfold its wings and flap them. And Billy was able to train the other three buzzards to pick it up and do the same thing that the other buzzer was doing. Like he trained them all to do it like in sync. Um, okay, so this is an amazing story. So I'm going to make it and just let's get us through this. But man, this is super funny. So 
when Jimi Hendrix was still alive, somebody asked him, do you have like a favorite guitarist, someone you like? And he said, Billy Gibbons, man. And he's still here. Unbelievable. Unbright. So this is a direct quote from Billy Gibbons about the tour, about something that happened one night. And it is a friggin' hilarious thing to hear. And you have to imagine, I can't do his voice. You could just imagine me talking with Billy Gibbons. Okay. So one evening in Richmond, which is June 3rd, 1976, he knew the date, uh, this rather sizable turkey buzzard decided to take flight. And it was making circles around the dome inside the arena they were playing. So Ralph comes out. He had trained the buzzard to look for a white hat and then land onto Ralph's head. But in the audience, there were all these white hats. And the buzzard was swooping around and circling. He didn't know which white hat to land on. And finally, they had to stop playing. Ralph came out. They put the spotlight on Ralph. Ralph whistles to the bird to land on its head. And then Billy says, it made the rest of the night rather challenging. How do you outdo a bird that knows how to land on a guy's head? <laughs> because really, we are simple uh, creatures in terms of entertainment. You know, right. I mean, it really right. doesn't take a lot. Show me right. a bird that will land on command. And I am more transfixed than I am by your 20 years of learning to play guitar, Billy. Yeah, but and and we are entertained by the stupidest stuff. And Ralph Ralph made a point of saying that they they the most dangerous animal they had were the rattlesnakes, right? Well, um, you think? So, yeah, so they would always make this big spectacle about moving them and then taking them in and out of their cage and stuff like that. And then every now and then they would make sure that one of them would escape. And they make this big show of rescuing it because they'd always get a hit in the papers. They would say rattlesnake escapes at ZZ Top concert. Like no matter what, like that would totally so work. Do you re- can you imagine our time in, in marketing and entertainment marketing? Can you imagine entertainment marketing in the seventies for ZZ Top's tour? <laughs> Listen, here's what we're gonna do, man. I think we just you know we'll get some of that free press if we just let a rattlesnake escape. I think I got a pretty good handle on it. Ralph's here. What could go wrong? No, Ralph knows how to train them buzzards. We're all good. So, listen, I'm I'm not going to blow any more smoke up your asses anymore because you guys are so nice and, and listening to the show. And, Brian, I know you want to know. Let, let's talk about this freaking runaway let's buffalo. Talk, let's, let's talk about the runaway buffalo. Let's just get to it. Okay. So, at the second leg of the tour, they were in Fort Worth. <laughs> so, they're in Texas. Appropriate. Yeah. Like, right after Thanksgiving. And there's this brand new convention center in Fort Worth. And there's these huge big doors that go all the way to the roof. And at this point, their manager, uh, Bill Ham, had gotten really paranoid about everything. He had he had t- kind of stalked down a guy that at one point there was screen printing T-shirts, like bootlegging them and and threw them into a room. And instead of beating the With shit the out of With the rattlesnakes? He made he made him the head of merchandising, um, <laughs> but he got really paranoid. He was unbel- He ruled with an iron fist with these ZZ Top guys. He didn't let them party, and he would make sure that the roadies and everyone watched to make sure they didn't drink. And after the show, they would pull some girls out of the crowd and they would go backstage and make pictures. And then he would make them all the the band go back to the hotel and go to sleep. I mean, okay, right? 
this sounds That's the manager. This sounds not in keeping with other '70s artists, but I gotta say, ZZ Top in a non-COVID year still doing like 150 dates, man. Like those yep. guys have the uh, uh, the general physique and fitness behind those beards of like, you know, men in their 40s. So Bill yep. might have known what was up. He might have known what was up. Yeah. The, so, but he, he was getting paranoid apparently. So he was worried about fans bothering them. So he had nine limos, stretch limos for every show. And he would put all three of the guys individually in three of them. And then six would be empty for his decoys just to make sure they could get safely from place to place. So, so here they are in these nine limos. They're backstage, lined up, parked at Fort Worth. And they're leading the buffalo onto the scissor lift for the rehearsal, which I guess they do every night. Oh, my God. And so the the buffalo had this big nose ring, I guess, that was, like, clipped on. As you do, yeah. And it, while it was up on the lift, it did something, and it ripped the nose ring out of its nose and it starts freaking out and it's in pain and it's snorting and he like all of a sudden the buffalo sees that there's the doors that are you know up ahead and there's lights and it heads straight for it so between him and the light are these nine limousines (laughs) so luckily at this point ZZ Top is not in in the limos, but there are drivers oh inside God. them. Oh, my God. So the buffalo goes in between the first two and gets jammed in between the first and, like, second limo. And the driver is asleep. <laughs> not for long. Wakes up. <laughs> and... Less than a foot away from his face <laughs> is this buffalo that's sneezing and blowing blood all over the window of the oh car. <laughs> that is not what they prepare you for in limo driver school. <laughs> but you know what he did? He locked the door just so it wouldn't come inside. Right? Isn't that crazy? It's such a crazy. It's a crazy part. So. The person that took care of that situation and made sure that that buffalo was safe and not distressed and, and got that buffalo back um, on, you know, back into the convention center and got it medical attention and all that was Ralph Fisher. Was of course. the animal wrangler um, who subsequently eventually was inducted into the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. And... <laughs> All because he will go down in history as the guy who was able to grab a hold of the lost buffalo on the ZZ Top tour of 1976. I'm doing a a standing O for Ralphie. Ralph, we salute you. Is Ralph still alive? I know that uh, our boy Ham is dead, but I think Ralph is not here with us anymore. Um, That is. Absolutely unbelievable. I have a few observations to make. One is that I forget how big ZZ Top was, right? To command this sort of investment in a tour. 
Like yeah. I still think of them. I don't think of them as not relevant or as not influential, but I don't think of them as like pop stars and that's pop star shit. Like ha- launching a tour like that. Right. That's huge. Um, another thing I'm interested in is what did their tour look like in 87? It did not look like this. Right. I mean, I know you described some of it to us, but if they, they brought down the excess quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing to think is think about all of that is the the animal show is in 76 and i saw them in 87 but they really hit pater in 83 with mtv and they were a heavy rotation band on mtv and they figured out how to make videos and they were the weird guys with beards doing like really odd weird stuff and there were like girls and and the videos that appealed to like you know younger like teenage boys who were watching MTV, and they became mega famous. Dude, it's so funny that you say that because I was trying to think what my first experience with ZZ Top is, and I remember being at my buddy John Michael's house, and we were friends in kindergarten, first grade ish, and so young, and seeing those album covers in his dad's collection. And being like, why do those dudes with beards hang out with chicks in bikinis? It doesn't look like they're going to the same party. Yeah. Oh, man. That is absolutely unbelievable. Also, shouts to the Texas Rodeo Clown Hall of Fame or whatever. I don't know what's what's funnier, if the, the fact that he's in it or the fact that it exists. But he needs some sort of honoring. I mean, that's unbelievable. What a What a story. What a story. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite uh, ZZ Top Jam? Uh, well, we, we we were just listening to it, but I, I do like um, Got Me Under Pressure is the one I like. That's on Eliminator. It's a oh, fun yeah. song. Usually it's the opening uh, opening of the show. That's Still? why I like it. Yeah. They open with it a lot. It's fun. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right, man. Uh, if you've got something you want us to research for you, clearly Murdoch's up for the job, and I'll try my best. Uh, you can email us at wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. You can check out our website, wearethestoryguys.com, with the other things that we are up to, including other shows and friends of ours who have shows. And uh, <clears throat> in the meantime, what do people need to keep doing uh, before the next time we convene to tell each other a story? Go out and hug your friends that are vaccinated. Yeah, and watch out for Buffalo and uh, keep telling stories. Yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs>